You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 14. This week I was joined by Steve Taylor who is a registered dietitian from the US. We spoke about emotional eating and he gave some great tips into how we can tackle this problem. This is an area that I believe doesn't really get spoken about too much within the fitness industry. People are just bombarded with obvious advice without any consideration into the deep underlying problems that they face, which can really affect their ability to actually carry something out. Emotional eating is certainly one of these problems that many, many people face. Finally, we covered sustainable fat loss and how important it is to set up an adaptable and enjoyable game plan if you want long-term success. I really enjoyed this episode with Steve. I too learned a hell of a lot from him and I'm sure you will do too. So without further ado, let's bring Steve onto the show. Hi, Steve. How's it going? I'm very good, mate. Thank you very much for coming on to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate your time, mate. Um, Before we get cracking on today's topic i just thought it'd be a good idea for you to just give the listeners a little bit of an idea of who you are and what you do the generic questions before every podcast (laughs) so people are like who am i listening to and why am i listening to him (laughs) exactly (laughs) absolutely so uh just briefly um i got into you know lifting and and exercising back in, in 2006 uh for for originally athletics so for american football and then from there, kind of fell in, in, in love with nutrition back in 2008. And still, it was the, the pursuit of, you know, to be better at sports and to enhance my physique. From there, I went and, cause, just because I loved learning about this stuff, I, I went and did my, my bachelor's in nutrition and exercise physiology at the University of Missouri. From there, still wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do career-wise, so I went on and did my master's in dietetics, nutrition, and exercise physiology. From there, moved to Sacramento, California, did an internship with a company called 3D Muscle Journey, which is an amazing natural bodybuilding company, and um, worked with them and and studied with them for a while. And then once I I finished that internship, internship, I moved to Los Angeles, California, got my registered dietitian credential, my national credential, and then I opened my, my practice. And my practice is, it's, it's focused on helping people to make sustainable behavior changes in how they eat, move, and think to improve the quality of their life. Yeah, that's where I first kind of became familiar with yourself was on Eric Helms's 3D Muscle, where I signed up to his website and I seen your sustainable fat loss. I've watched your, all your videos on there and I thought it would be a great idea to get you on my show to share what you shared on there because it was such valuable content to my listeners that I hope they'll get a lot from today. So yeah, big thanks again for coming on and that's, yeah, that's the reason why I wanted you on the show to discuss more and more about what you do with your clients and how you get people to make this change and that's obviously what today's show is about is like human dietary behavior and people's emotional attachment to food. And we can just kind of run from it from there. So with regards like dietary behavior, what, what is it and what do you commonly see a big issue with that factor? Yeah, I, I would say that, and you know, kind of like we, we spoke off air a little bit, it's that the kind of the, the information and the, the strategies in terms of, you know, how to lose weight uh, are pretty simple. You know, most people know that they need to eat more fruits and vegetables. Most people know that they need to probably eat a bit less food and probably move a little bit more. So most people know just the, the main fundamentals of how to improve their health and body. It just comes down to the actual applications where things get a bit trickier. 
And that's where, you know, with that sustainable fat loss course, hardly any of that was, was focused on, you know, uh, t- talking about what protein does or what fat does or what, what, what carbs do. Um, obviously, all of that is important. But I just found just through my own practice and, and from working with so many people that typically it's not a, a lack of, of education. Um, typically, it's more of it's those other factors like uh, other things in people's lives or, or if they're feeling a certain emotion and, and letting that emotion affect their decision making or they haven't gotten crystal clear on their motives behind why they're doing this stuff. I found that, that, that those were really the things that were preventing people from making progress. Um, but, but yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll stop there. It, it's, it's funny you, you just mentioned then, it's that people do know there's not a lack of education out there. And, and I thought this myself many a times is currently, obviously there's loads of rubbish information out there as well, but equally there's a lot of, good information out there now to how to lose weight. There's a, a lot more of a, a voice in the, you know, the evidence-based community to sustainable, realistic ways to actually achieve weight loss, fat loss, whatever you But it's still an action issue for most people and it's getting people to actually do it. And it's all well and good screaming from the rooftops, eat less, move more, <laughs> calorie deficit. Yeah. But how the, how the hell... Do we get people to take action on that? And being a trainer myself for many years and yourself being in that in this world, it, it frustrates me when I see fitness professionals just give this what I believe is obvious advice that people already know about. How mm-hmm. do we get them to take action for once in their life? And these topics about emotion are things that are not covered often. So that's why I took great satisfaction watching your videos because it's a lot of people don't speak about this stuff within this fitness industry so much and they, they just kind of overlook it. And it's like looking at an iceberg and just looking at the top of it. But mm. it's what's underneath that's really, really causing people to struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 go ahead. Yeah, no, you go for it, mate. If you Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was going to say just, I mean, in, in general, even before I even like move into some of that emotional eating stuff, I mean, when you're talking about, you know, the, some of the, the stuff that I found to be most effective in terms of moving from, you know, just knowledge to actual action is, is one, just keeping it super simple. So just making whatever the plan is, whatever the game plan is, is just making it so simple that, you know, it, 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 it's not like it's this invasive thing that all of a sudden, like now their whole lifestyle is flipped upside down. And it's like now they can't have carbs and they have to eat nine times a day. And, and it's just this super complex plan that hardly anyone can stick to. And if they can stick to it, it's definitely something that they won't be able to do long term. So just what I found is just starting off with some super simple things that are going to produce some big results. And I, I found that like one, keeping it super simple moves people from a place of just being stuck to actual action because I know me, if I, if I sit down and, and hear something really great and no matter how great it is or read something really great, if, if I feel like it's super complicated or I have no idea how to do it, then I'll be like, well, that was fascinating, but I'm not actually going to do anything with that. As soon as the podcast is over, as soon as the book is done, I kind of just pushed off to the side and I'm like, okay, well, where's the next bit of knowledge? But I never actually did anything with it where I found if I just can just keep it so, so simple then that makes it work where anyone can start applying this stuff. So even in my own practice, one of the places that I start with is just having people, I'll, I'll focus on like fruits and vegetables at first. So I'll say, hey, let's, let's try to get in at least, you know, two servings of fruit per day, four servings of vegetables per day. And just that like simple thing right there, uh, without even any other guidance, if somebody is already motivated and ready to make these changes, they will start doing all this other stuff on their own without me having to provide any other guidance. Because it's like now that they, they have the game plan, it's a super simple game plan. And it's like they'll, they'll start selecting other foods on their own and eating less and doing these other things. Again, like we, we already mentioned, things that all of us already know what to do. Um, it's just by, by making the, it seems so simple. It just, it, it almost like, like frees us up to start to start taking action if that makes sense yeah totally and is the with a lot of people they think these simple kind of tasks that you give them the the disregard and a lot of people do i found when i give someone 
the simplest has to be they'll have this mindset that that is not enough for them to make this change. And it's like, well, if you acquire lots of these little changes, then ultimately you're going to see the sunlight at the end of the tunnel because you, you're just ticking off these little changes that you're going to ingrain for the rest of your life rather than just looking too far ahead and kind of like disrespecting the basics. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's a really good point. I think that's where it comes down to like you and I as practitioners. It's like, we know that like, it really is just those, those basic things. Like those fundamental things do so much and it doesn't need to be complex. And that's where it's like almost on us to be more like salesmen and just be like, look, like just give it a chance, like give it a try and just see what happens. Like let's roll with this for a month and just, I know it sounds cliche and it sounds simple and it sounds burned out because you've heard it a million times, but it's cliche for a reason. You know, it works. Like just, and it's kind of it is on our job. It's like, just almost like, you know, trust me and just like, let's give it a try and give it a go and see how it goes. And so like, along with keeping it simple, the, like the other big thing at the beginning is just having some way to, to kind of manage what's going on. So it's like, for me, I use Excel spreadsheets or whatever that system is, but just, just doing something where there's a way to record whether, you know, they're hitting these targets or whether they're not hitting these targets. And so that way, you know, they can reflect and refine things to, to adjust to make sure that they are ticking the boxes. Um, but just, just, I would say those two things initially, just keeping things simple and then having some way to record progress, to measure how things are going. So, so you have some data to reflect back on to, to make adjustments in the future. And also it's like, it just feels good. I know me, like it just feels good once you know you're on your way. And even if it is something as simple, it's like, hey, have two fruits a day and four vegetables a day for the first two weeks. If you do that, like that just, for me, like that just makes me feel good. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the thing I'm, I, that I want to do to improve my health. And that only, again, like motivates me more to then keep moving and to, and to push even harder. Yeah, it's that saying of low-hanging fruit, isn't it? Just do the, get, grab the low-hanging fruit every single day. And really, really, then you'll start making the changes that that you ultimately people want. With re with regards um, fat loss in general, Steve, there's there's so many aspects that exist to it, such as obviously an individual's lifestyle, an individual's environment, and you know social cultural factors like magazines telling people to do this, do that, and just a general lack of education. Do you find all these? outside influences have a massive impact on people's food behavior mm -hmm. and that would be something that i would love to for you to touch upon is to kind of what you do with clients when it comes to combating or at least helping tackle some of the issues that people face with all these factors that exist whether they're in people's control or they're not yeah, I would say, I guess I'll take it in, in two ways. So one, if we just look at, let's say, not, not people in their life, but we'll say, like you said, magazines, documentaries, um, things on the news, we'll start with, with that kind of in its own category. You know, um, I guess a lot of times on that end, it's almost like, I don't, I don't honestly receive too much resistance when I suggest an alternative like alternative methods to what they've been doing because, you know, I just, a, a friendly reminder of, you know, like, Hey, you know, it's like you, you reached out to me for a reason, you know, like, like something like this stuff is not working. So like, we already know that that doesn't work. Like, you know, why don't we try this other stuff? Cause we know that if you just keep doing what you've been doing, like that's not going to produce the results because you've tried that. So why don't we try this stuff? So honestly, most, most times, and I think a lot of it does come down to, like, like obviously like having, being a dietitian, having my master's that does give me credibility. So it's not, so people do feel a sense of trust and also they, they've seen the results. So it's like, people do feel that sense of trust uh, with me. So it's like, I, I really don't receive a ton of pushback when I try to offer alternative routes. So I guess that's, that's the first part of it. And then through that, it's like, it, sometimes it really is as simple as me, like, because once it's almost like once they trust in me and, and, and believe in me and it's not just a blind belief but it's through my background and, and everything like that and my experiences you know most of the time they'll just take it and run with it if they need if they if somebody does you know want further uh, education or they want to see you know you know why i'm suggesting this stuff i'll absolutely provide the you know the the literature and the the references for why i'm suggesting this stuff but to be honest that's very rare 
the the second thing which is which is sometimes which is the actual more challenging piece compared to to just magazines and documentaries and the news is like let's say that they have other people in their life who are close to them who who care a lot about them who they care a lot about let's say it's their spouse or family members or, or close friends and it's like they've all been living this one lifestyle and it's like now they're kind of like breaking out from the group and living this different way because they want to change their health and they want to really turn their life around. And so it's like that's where it gets a little more complicated because it's like we want to like find a way to make these changes and preserve those relationships. Um, so that I would say that's that's more tricky than just the, the documentaries and things like that. Yeah, I think that's a, something that I've come again, come up against in my time as a personal trainer is a client that I'm working with, the pushback that they sometimes get from uh, family members, friends or spouse, like you mentioned, and it's because they live life or they had that relationship with that person for many, many years, you know, they had the takeaways with that person, Netflix with that person. They mm-hmm. wasn't the person who was looking into the caloric intake or going to the gym. And it's this kind of changing attitude that I've affects quite a lot of people. Obviously mm-hmm. with 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 what I do, you know, I'm solely there to you know, obviously I want to stay in my lane, but I've also had clients who themselves have actually come to realise that that's not the way they want to live anymore. And I've had clients of mine who you've actually kind of come away from their friendship circle because they've took a step back and realized how detrimental it was to them, not only with the way they look and feel, but just from a mentality standpoint, they didn't feel like they supported them in a way that really should do. If somebody's looking to achieve something, you do need that social support as well. Mm-hmm. So, so what is that, is that, would you say that's the biggest kind of pushback how your clients is the environment they surround what the working environment is that the hardest thing to get people to be adherent to what you set them I, I, I wouldn't say it's the hardest I don't know if I I wouldn't say it's the hardest but I would say it's definitely up there with the top um, because it's like, like you said it's 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 tricky and I mean I can talk about you know what I suggest people do in those situations where we can can move on from there but yeah I wouldn't say it's number one but it is definitely you know top five because i mean relationships are a big part of our life for sure and it's it's kind of yeah you don't want to cross the line and tell everyone to split up with the boyfriends and girlfriends yeah but sometimes you do see that contrasting kind of goal for them both but also on the flip side of that people that they brought in the husbands they brought in the wives and they're doing it together and they're doing it as a team oh it's phenomenal when that happens because uh, yeah, it. yeah, because it's, it's it's such a contrast. To, like you said, the the former thing you mentioned. So I mean, I, I, the way that I, I guess really have people approach this is is one just like if it is somebody super close, like their spouse or their significant other, like sitting down and just like having a conversation before we ever even start, or when we, like when we're very first getting going, just letting them know you know what's going on and why they're doing it and why it's important to them, and also how it's it's not the it's not something that they're going to force on them or make them do if they want to do it with them, they would love for that to happen. But if not, you know, it's like, this is just something they're choosing to do and, and they don't, you know, they're not like going to like judge their other spouse now for, for their, for continuing to live a certain way. So I found just that initial conversation to be super helpful. And then, and then also, like you said, like with the friends and the other stuff like that, it's like, it's interesting because it's, it's, I've seen it also, it's like in two ends, like, it's almost like one, it's like, you're, you're like your real friends and the people who like truly care about you, as long as you're doing this stuff in a respectful way. And it's like, you're not, you know, being obnoxious about, you know, talking about calories all the time and, and your physique all the time. And, you know, <laughs> as long as you're not being obnoxious about it, like most of the time, like they will support you if you're doing it respectfully and discreetly. Um, it's, it's so, which is cool. The other things that I've seen happen is like you said, it's like, you kind of sometimes find out like the only thing that was really holding a relationship together was a shared interest, not necessarily the anything deeper than that. So, you know, and I've, I've seen that same thing happen with, with drugs. It's like uh, work with people and it's like, you know, like they're, they're kind of their friendship was built on, you know, getting high. 
And then mm. once one of them quits smoking and starts making these, these transformations with how they eat and how they move and they start, you know, this new lifestyle, like the relationship disintegrates because it's like there was nothing else that really connected them other than getting high. And so in that situation, it's almost like, well, you know, if, if, if that was the only thing holding you together and this person's not supporting you anyway, and it's like, you really don't have anything in common. It's like, maybe this was a good thing. Cause it kind of, it, it showed some insight into like, there was really nothing below the, the surface. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. That's, that's a really good point. Anyway, so we jump into emotional eating. Cause this is something is a massive, massive topic. Um, I'm sure that obviously it's what you kind of deal with with a lot of clients and a lot of people that ask me questions. There's a lot of it is comes down to an emotional attachment to food. So it'd be great for you to share kind of what you share in your sustainable fat loss videos that talking about emotion, emotion management and how people the food as a escape from certain things that have happened in their life or just whatever that may be absolutely well just kind of the the simplest way that i found to put it is you know uh, eating and emotion so the eating affects how we feel and how we feel affects how we eat so it's like those those two things go back and forth so it's like you know it's like why why do let's for example why are why when we're stressed or why why when we're lonely or why when we're angry like why do we go eat it's, it's for the simple principle of that eating changes how we feel. We, we're feeling frustrated. We're feeling lonely. We're feeling anxious. And we don't want to feel that way anymore. So we go grab something that's going to change our state so we feel better. So it, the food simply then is just serving as this vehicle to change how we feel. And then if we reverse that, also, if, if we're, we're feeling a certain way, um, that's also going to... Uh, I guess I, I, I flopped that. Like w when we eat a certain way, it's almost like, it, it's almost like the same thing. Like when, when we eat a certain way that also affects how we feel on a, in a different way. So it's like, we can be feeling great. And if we go out and like smash a bunch of food, then that's going to affect how we feel physically. Like we're obviously going to be, have a bunch of like GI symptoms and um, digestive distress from, from crushing the pizza and they're also probably not going to feel too good psychologically because now we've just set ourselves back on our goal. So it just kind of starts from that simple principle that, you know, why do we search for food? It's because it changes how we eat. So the way, I guess, when I talk about uh, emotion management and how this stuff all applies to like eating better and, and kind of transforming our health is that it's, it's finding alternative methods for changing how we feel that aren't food. So it's kind of like, it, it works out better as a visual, but it's like if you were to put like almost like three pieces on the far left, you had uh, anxious in the middle, you had eat on the right, you had no longer anxious. So it's like your goal is not to eat. Your goal is to no longer feel anxious. So my whole idea is then to take out the food and just put something else in there that's still going to take you, it's still going to eliminate the anxiety but it's not going to come with the negative consequences that come with overeating, abusing food, abusing drugs, abusing alcohol. So, and that's just something I've termed just rapid emotion management. And so, uh, so there's, and there's a lot of different strategies for that. I mean, it can be something as simple. I mean, so again, so simple stuff, um, something like listening to a song. I mean, you can be, you can be frustrated. And then if you throw on a, like a happy, upbeat song and you listen to that song within a couple of minutes, you're already feeling better. And because you're feeling better, you're going to make different decisions. Other stuff is like watching a short YouTube clip. So like one of my things is, is bloopers. Like I love the show Friends. I love the show Seinfeld. So it's like if I'm feeling frustrated or whatever, it's like I can just put in my earbuds and, and watch one of these these bloopers and you start laughing and humor is so amazing i mean it can change how we feel in seconds and then if i do that i'm going to make much better decisions decisions that align with my goals compared to just picking the first thing in sight so it is it's just kind of coming up with some alternative methods to to change how we feel that allow us to make better decisions um and it's such a powerful yeah. powerful thing mm-hmm it, it, it is because it, 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 it's just because it's like in scenario number one, it's like you're frustrated. You walk in the kitchen, 
because you're frustrated, you just rip open the cabinets and eat whatever's in sight. It's like, you know this information, you know you have a fruit goal, you know you have a vegetable goal, but you, you're frustrated and you're like, screw it, I don't care about those dumb goals. I don't care about this stuff. I just want to feel better. Where's the frozen pizza? So it's like, the, you know, it's like at that point, like that's where it's like, it's not just about knowing this stuff. It's about almost like learning how to almost like, you know, kind of like manipulate ourselves and like, like manage our own emotions and, and to keep us in a state where we're going to make decisions that support our goals. And so when it comes to finding those alternative methods, when it comes to, to finding a different vehicle besides food, kind of my criteria for that is finding is it has to be something that's convenient. It can't be some big elaborate thing that requires like, you know, two hours or you have to, to drive to a mountain and climb the mountain and pray. Like it can't, it can't <laughs> be anything crazy. It's got to be something that you can do right away, just like food. Food works so well because it's so easy. It's easy to drive through McDonald's, grab a cheeseburger and eat it. So like one, it has to be convenient. The second thing is it has to be effective. It actually has to be effective at changing, changing how you feel. So, and, and preferably it has to be, you want it to be even more effective than the food. So that way it becomes more compelling. So it's like, now you have this scale on one side of the scale, you have food on the other side of the scale, you have this alternative method and the, the alternative method actually works better. It's just as convenient. So you're going to go that way and you're going to use that. So the third thing is something that supports your, your health. So something that's not going to come with the negative effects of drugs, alcohol, abusing food, and then also the fourth thing is just something that's going to support your other long-term goals. So, and again, I, I mean, I could go through a whole list just to, so people have some ideas of, and, and maybe we can also link the, the course in the description box below, but I would say maybe just some of the most common ones, the stuff that works for me really well and the stuff that I work for clients really well is music. It's those, it's YouTube clips, something with humor, something that makes you laugh. It is something as simple as going outside, getting out, you know, going for a walk, um, for me, another big one is, is either is going for a walk and either listening to music or going for a walk and listening to a podcast. So throwing on a podcast, throwing on um, just some, some music, something like that, just something where you're changing the way you move and you're going out and you're breathing and you're slowing down and you're calming down. Like that does a ton. You can meditate, you can pray, you can read something inspiring. Um, I mean, just like little simple stuff like that you can, you can have with you that you can, you can pretty much access anywhere. Uh, it's just kind of the, the idea. Yeah, that, that was something that I took a lot from when you explained that. And like you say, it does look better, obviously, in that visual. And I liked how you, you, you say in the video, you have like a uncomfortable feeling and then you have it circled. And then basically food is what people go towards when they have this uncomfortable feeling. And then as a, you know, it's like, it's like the habit loop, isn't it? Have you, have you, have you heard, heard of the habit loop where it's like, um, where it's like cues, reward, or it's like a cue and a reward. Um, so basically, it's, it's this habit loop that forms where people have a cue. That cue is obviously that uncomfortable feeling and the routine and reward it is. So it's cue, routine, and reward. And that is what a habit loop is. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The, um, the Power of Habit. I've heard of it, but I've never read it. It's it's really, really good. So it kind of is on the same lines with what you just said there. You know, that cue is emotion. You know, I'm, I'm feeling down about something. You know, you've just slept with somebody or you've had a stressful day at work. That's the cue that people have every single day going home. The routine is to reach for the biscuit tin or reach for that bottle of wine. And the reward is that feeling of feeling better. However, that feeling, feeling better doesn't last very long. And then they start being guilty about doing that so it's a vicious mm -hmm. circle isn't it it is and, and, and it's hard to break out of it and so and what i've found like the the easiest thing to do is is versus just saying okay i'm not gonna eat anymore to change how i feel it's like we have to come up with an alternative because if i just tell someone don't do this but they have no alternative method they're i mean we're gonna go back to the only thing we know because we don't want to be frustrated. We don't want to be bored. We don't want to be lonely. So it's like we, we're not just going to sit there in this thing. So it's like I found that it's super helpful not just to say don't do that, but to actually give them an alternative method to help, to help them create an alternative method that works for them so they have somewhere else to go to change how they feel. 
yeah, it's not about being a dictator, is it? It's about giving people solutions. It's giving people answers. And like you say, if they find something, because there's so many things that people can kind of swap for food to change this emotional state and improve this emotional management, like we just said. And there was a quote that I've wrote down, that which you shared in your in the sustainable fat loss, which was, if the problem isn't hunger, food isn't the solution. And I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. such a good that is such a good quote that a lot of people should kind of take on board is that if the problem isn't hunger, food isn't the solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it is. And it's 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 true and it's it's helpful just to it's a helpful reminder for me, you know, just to, to remind uh, <laughs> to have something like that. That that I, I love I love little phrases like that because they summarize so much in one sentence. Because a lot of people then, don't know, do they? They don't know why they, they feel in a certain way. You know, we can say, oh, you've had, you've eaten your caloric intake for the day. You know, I've not given you some ridiculous diet plan here. I've not done something so extreme for you. You know, I'm giving you a real adequate amount of protein. I'm giving you lots of fruit and veggies. The hunger isn't the problem. You know, you're not doing a vigorous exercise regime that's going to run you into the ground. However, you're still feeling the need to go to food so we need to dig deep on why is this and yes obviously Mm -hmm. boredom boredom is a factor as well that influences it but obviously emotion is the biggest one as well so it all kind of comes hand in hand right absolutely absolutely and and like you said so so everything everything that, that we've kind of covered so far like you said boredom or they've had a stressful day at work like all that stuff is, as I kind of put into the, the category of, of, I would say, like, like rapid emotion management. So it's like those are little things that we all come into contact with every day. We all experience, you know, these little things that, you know, trigger us or whatever. And so that's, that's you know, it just it, it happens. And so we have some there's no like big we don't need to do a big deep dive into that. Just, OK, let's let's not you know, get triggered by that. And if we if we do get set off and let's just have a way to, to change how we feel real quick. And it's super simple. If it's something that's where it comes a bit trickier is where when, when food starts to uh, serve a, a larger consistent role for something. So, and that's kind of like in that same, that same chapter where I talk about, you know, not necessarily rapid emotion management, but some of the deeper issues. And so some of the, the most common things that I've seen is like somebody is, is they're struggling with like some, like some distress. So it's like either they, they are struggling with the loss of the death of a loved one they're struggling with the lack of meaningful relationships or they're, they're, they're struggling with kind of their, you know, their self-esteem and self-confidence, how they feel about themselves. And so it's like food has become this friend. It's, it's served to fill this, the void of the relationship, or it's served as a way to bury that emotion of the passing of their loved one. Um, it, it's, it's, it's been easy to just reach for food. And every time they start to feel this way, Again, they reach for food to change how they feel because they don't want to feel that way. And, and the food becomes a way to numb how we feel in the short term. Um, it's just in, in the long term, just reaching for food to numb how we feel doesn't ever solve anything. It, it never frees us from that pain. Uh, the only way to, to, to get out of that is to, to address the issue. And so, go ahead. No, it's all right, mate. Carry on. Sorry, mate. I was just... Um... I just had a sip of water. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Uh, so, so that's so in that in that second half of the course is because one thing that that like it's helpful to have those rapid emotion management strategies and to have those vehicles. But if I've noticed that if it's something that I or anyone has to do like all the time, like constantly having to like use this stuff, it's like there might be, you know, if. It, maybe there's something else going on. So it's like, maybe it is that they're still struggling with the the death of a loved one. And it's just like, if if we're constantly having to use all this stuff to change how we feel, it's like, maybe we just need to address the bigger thing. Um, And so my, just kind of my, my simple, like four, four step guide for that. Again, I I try to keep things as simple as possible. Um, And a lot of this is just through, through self reflection. It's, you know, getting, getting a journal or getting a piece of paper. I found it, I found it's helpful to do this, uh, to write it out. Sometimes to get it out of your head and on paper can, can be a lot more effective than trying to like organize all these thoughts inside your head. Um, but the first step is just getting crystal clear on, you know, what emotion you're feeling. 
So just identifying the emotion, whether it, whether it is loneliness or whether it's grief or whether it's uh, whatever that is, frustration. And so just getting crystal clear on what you're feeling. And then step two then is, okay, so why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel, why do I feel lonely? Why, you know, why do I feel frustrated? And so it's almost like in step two, two things will happen. Like one, um, you know, you start to figure out, okay, I'm lonely because I, I really want a significant other. I want this meaningful relationship. I, you know, I want to have a family. I want to start doing this stuff. And, you know, I'm not doing the things I, I feel like I, sh I should be doing to make that happen or I should have this thing. I don't have it right now. And so it's like you, you then you get clear on the reason for the emotion. The second thing that happens in that step is you might make a new distinction. And that is you might have labeled something as anger in the first step. And then when you get to step two and you say, okay, well, why do I feel angry? You might realize that you're not actually angry at someone. You're more hurt by their actions or hurt by their words or hurt by how you feel about what they said or what they did. So like one, it just gives you better clarity on, in terms of what you're actually feeling. And two, it gives you clarity on why you're feeling that way. Again, this is super simple stuff, but it works. And the third thing from there is now that you're clear on what you feel and especially why you feel that way, you know, don't just sit there in it. It's like by knowing that now you have a way out. So start creating a game plan. Now you know what you want. So start getting clear about, you know, I, I want this, you know, significant other. I want this meaningful relationship. Uh, okay, well, what's my game plan? What, how, how can I do that? What can I, is there, is there a dating app I can sign up for? Is there a, can I start like going to these meetups? Can I um, reach out to friends who is like, maybe they have a friend who they think that, that I would connect well with. So it's like step three is all about now that you know why you've been feeling this way. Okay, well, you know what, you know what you want now. So now what's the game plan to actually go get that? How can we move from that, that, that endless problem loop to now branching out and focusing on the solution? So it's just, it's step three is just super simple. And, and it almost goes back to those same things we were talking about at the beginning with the diet. It's just making your game plan initially something super simple and realistic. So it doesn't have to be some big elaborate game plan where it's like now you're flying across the country to go do this thing. And this is like some massive thing. It can be, but can also be something super simple as, you know, setting up a new app on your phone. Or, or, or reaching out to it. And if it's, let's say, it's just to, to reestablish some new deeper friendships. Maybe you already have some great friends. Maybe you've just drifted apart through life. And it's like, it's as simple as picking up the phone and giving them a call. And like, that's all it takes to reignite something. So it, it can be these simple little things. And that's the key to make it effective. And then step four is like, now that you're in this place, now that you've taken the time to write all this stuff down, get crystal clear on what you're feeling, why you're feeling that way, what you want and you have the game plan that's going to help you achieve what you want step four is like while you're here like start taking that first step do something that same day that's going to move you in that direction that way you already get momentum going that way you don't just you know i'm sure we've all done that where it's like we're at like at some point we're super motivated about something a lot of times it comes like late at night sometimes you know where it's like there's this thing that you want and like you you want to put effort towards it and then and, and the, you're, you're really in the place to do it then. And then you go to bed and you wake up and, you know, the, mo the, the moment's gone and the momentum <laughs> is gone, you know? It happens so it's, to me all the time. Steve. Exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll watch Rocky Four before, <laughs> watch Rocky Four before bed and I'll, I'll be literally thinking that I'm going to be as ripped as Sylvester Stallone. And, um, yeah, I wake up in the morning and, I, yeah, I eat a bacon butty and sit and watch that one. <laughs> It's so true. We're all like that. Like, so it's like the thing is like now that you've done all this and like now that you're there, like go ahead and let's, let's I, I always just say, like, you know, get the car moving, go ahead and push it, get some momentum going. And that makes it much easier to follow up and keep it moving compared to like now you know what you want. But then like you go to bed and tomorrow it's like, oh, shoot, I got to wake up and go to work. Now I'm at, I went through work. Now I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap. And it's like now you're just right back into that same cycle. Now you're reaching back for the food and you're right back into that same loop. So it's like while the moment is there, pick up the phone and make that call. Download the app and make the app. Like sign up for the events. Just do just something super simple to get the process started and that's it. And, 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 and I have found a lot of times that 
you know, for example, I would say, like, you know, it's like developing, let's say if it is like the, that, that finding that significant other, like that's not something we can just snap our fingers and find, like it just takes time. And so what I found though, is like going through this process, actually getting clear on that and then starting to, to do stuff to get closer to that. A lot of times just that feeling of knowing that we're doing something, knowing that we're doing something positive and constructive and it's leading us towards what we want. Like that feeling of knowing that we're on our way is enough to break the cycle itself. It's like, it's, it, it's just cause it's like, now we, now we see, it's like, I, I, we still don't have the thing, but now we know that we're on our way to that thing. And that again, changes how we feel about ourselves, our situation, which again, this whole thing comes back to the feeling thing. Now we're feeling better. And so now it's like, you know what? I don't need that food. I'm on my way. I got more important, bigger things to focus on. Let me just have these fruits and veggies or whatever. Oh, that's, that's a really, really great point that you've just made. And that was a really helpful process that you, you go through with clients. And it's kind of digging deep into the true emotion. What is driving you towards food? And a lot of people have such a negative look on food. They always... I feel like they blame food and like food is the issue, but it's usually it's people's deep line emotions that they need to sort out before just pointing the finger at some bread that they eat or a pizza that they eat because <laughs> that is not the problem. It's, it's yourself. That's the problem. And you need to find out what you can do to ultimately fix that happiness in your life, just to help this emotion. So you can, you, you, you don't look at food like, and you don't go to food to make you feel better anymore. Yeah, I mean, like he said, it's it's those deeper issues, and I think you know it's it's something that you know uh, you know I wouldn't have created this stuff if, if it, or it's like I wouldn't be talking about this stuff if I didn't find it useful, if it didn't work for me, if like I didn't need it. So it's, it's like it, it's it's like I don't I don't care if, like, who it is, like if they're a registered dietitian or a doctor, or they know you know they're a researcher or whatever. It's like we're all human and we're emotional and we like, I don't care the knowledge that you have or like some who created the, whatever it's like, we're all human. And, and we, this is effective for all of us. And it's, it's, it, we, it's helpful to, to have these strategies for managing this stuff. Yes. Yeah, again, it's not what's spoken about often, you know, it, people don't think it's sexy enough, but it's the thing that we all have, like we can all relate to this stuff and, and it's even us who work in the fitness industry, this happens to us as well. We have this, we have emotion. However, it's finding <laughs> them new things like you've mentioned to help combat that and, and realizing that food, you know, it isn't the issue. It's just what you go to as a safety blanket as such. Yeah, it's just, and, and again, it's, it's, it's the only reason is it's, it's just because that's all, that's all we know at the time. If all we know to change, you know, if we're, frustrated and we don't want to be frustrated if the only vehicle we know is food like that's what we're going to use so it's like but once we get some alternative vehicles <laughs> and as long as the the motives are there for it's like okay like we want to turn our health around we want to turn our physique around that we want as long as those two things are in place you know most times we're going to pick the other vehicle especially if it's compelling and convenient and yeah it's just it's and and, and some things too is like you know it with that said it's like it's almost like not it's almost like a part two I'll add. It's like not making a mountain out of a molehill. So it's like, let's say you, you get the stuff rolling and like it works really well. And then like one time you do reach for food. Like it's one time. Like the key is just like not turning that, like, like that little mess up or like going back to food and like making that a thing. It's just, okay, whatever. And then just moving on and, and continuing to make, uh, choose the other vehicles in the future. Yeah. It's got to be a good trade off, hasn't it? Between, food and something else and this leads us in nicely to the sustainable fat loss approach that you speak about is how can we get people to change the frame of mind and how can we make the process more enjoyable so they don't keep going back to that old way of life that food it's got to outweigh it's got to bring more happiness and more value to the life so how can we make this more enjoyable for people how can we change obviously the mind to health and fitness because i believe people's approach to health and fitness is so painful when it should really be pleasurable and we need to switch obviously pain for pleasure mm-hmm. and i and i think a lot of that is is just you know up front you know choosing methods that that fit our personality and that fit our lifestyle and so just a common almost like i use as a filter question 
is like if somebody's trying to find, you know, uh, an approach with their diet that they want to take to lose weight. It's like the, the question is, you know, can I see myself doing this for the next 20, 30, 40 years? And if, if you can't, then that's probably not going to be a sustainable method. And so go through and, and, and find different methods and, and find something that, that you can see yourself doing for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So just initially, just having that question to help you screen will save a ton um, of, of, of comp- save you from a ton of complications down the road if you initially choose an approach that's just not going to work out long term. If you choose an approach where it's like you're, you're not eating any carbs, but you love carbs and you love, you know, it's like that's, that's, that's only going to last so long. So I found that question super helpful. The, the second thing is, is I, it's almost just like there's, there's a common false belief that, you know, eating healthy and moving and losing weight is, is a painful process. It sucks. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's, it's the common false belief that like I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. Therefore, this is going to be painful or this is going to suck, or it's like, but here I go, you know, my willpower. Like, uh, I would say, like, I, I call it a false belief because it, 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 it doesn't have to suck. And if this is something that, like, you want to be doing, you know, for the rest of your life, you know, it probably shouldn't suck or you probably won't stick to it. I know I wouldn't. Like, anything that I hate, I'm not going to stick to it long term. So, and there, and there are so many options out there for making this stuff more enjoyable. So I would say a lot of it up front is just choosing the right methods, choosing those things you can see yourself doing 20, 30, 40 years from now and choosing things that you enjoy doing. The second piece, which I don't really talk about too much in that course, is that it's almost like, like at first certain things might seem unenjoyable and, and, and this happens all the time. Like they, they seem like it, they're going to suffer. It's not going to be fun. Or we're not going to enjoy it. And they might start that way. But it's only because we have, you know, certain associations with them based on what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've tried before. But it's like through time, as we start to have new experiences, like let's say at first, like a common one, this happens all the time is like tracking. So like I, I most people I work with, the initial, I have them go through an initial phase to, of, of doing some tracking. And that's just like tracking their calorie intake. And that's just because I found that the tracking process just teaches us so much about food. It teaches us so much about our own behaviors. It gives us such a self-awareness in terms of, of how we eat, what we eat, when we're eating. Um, I, I, I find it an invaluable experience that, that, that I think it's, it's beneficial for pretty much everyone to go through. Not, maybe not everyone, but most people to go through. So initially, maybe when I'm starting with someone, there might be like a bit of hesitance, like, ah, I don't want to track it. That sounds awful. Like, oh, man. And so but once once we get moving and after like two or three weeks and they're tracking and they're like seeing they're like, wow, I'm learning so much. I'm like, I, I'm no longer unconsciously eating. Now I know that like I've been having these cravings at night. Why I've been having those cravings or it's like, oh, wow, now I know when I go out to eat. It's I actually have an idea of what I'm eating in terms of calories. It's just like that the empowerment they start to get from the process and also that now they're looking better, they're feeling better. And it's like now this thing that they once associated pain with is like now they're like, oh, wow, like this is actually really cool. So it's like that stuff will change over time. So I guess I, I kind of like went in two ways there. Um, but I guess I just, I, I just wanted to, to throw that in there as well. It's like upfront, it's like choosing sustainable methods, choosing methods that fit with your life that you can see yourself doing long-term also finding stuff that, that sounds enjoyable to you. That sounds fun to you again, that fits with your lifestyle. And, and then, but also just keeping in mind that, that things ch- like, like how we view things changes. So it's like, even though something might not sound that great at first, like, over time, we might learn to come to love that thing. And that happens all the time. It happens with tracking. It happens with exercising. A ton of people say, I hate exercising. You know, I don't want to do exercising, but it's like either one, finding they, they, they've been exercising in ways that they don't enjoy, and, and they've just never uh, been able to come into contact with the style of exercising that they do enjoy, uh, which there is a method out there, I promise you. And the second thing is, like, even if you don't enjoy it at first, like, over time, like, as you do it more, as you get more comfortable with it, as it becomes more familiar to you, as you see the results that it brings you, as you start to feel better, like you will learn to love that thing. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's, it's finding something that's like, adaptable to your life and it's and also obviously very enjoyable so you can keep this up for good. And I've been guilty of it in the past as a trainer where 
somebody's come in to see me and they've done lots of running, for example, and I've turned around and I've said, oh, you know, you shouldn't be running. You know, it's not, you know, I want to be lifting in the gym. You know, it's bad for your knees or whatever it may be. And I've turned around now as I've got older and more experienced and thinking, why the hell have I took something so enjoyable away from somebody? Like, what an absolute idiot. And that's because obviously when, you know, when you start in this industry, you know, we all make mistakes. We're all kind of, can be very one-dimensional with what we enjoy. And it's not about what we enjoy. It's about what can we give to other people that they enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. It's like, yeah, it's like, this isn't our plan. This is, this is their life. So this it's is like, theirs, what, yeah. What, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so how do we kind of, just jumping on what you've kind of just said there and elaborating on that a bit is, how do we increase people's ability to adapt to something and make it more fun? Just elaborating on that a touch and how can we make people enjoy X or Y? Yeah, uh, I would say it, it's two parts. So if I just focus, because like in that course I talked about kind of like my, my formula is if something is adaptable and it's enjoyable, then it's going to be sustainable. And so like when I think about adaptability, I think about, you know, like the, the old kind of approach was, you know, just follow a meal plan, eat these foods at these times and this amounts and you'll lose weight. The, the issue with a, a process like that is like, it's not adaptable at all. It's about as rigid as it gets. And so having methods that are, are going to be adaptable, both in the short term. So it's like, for example, where it's like, let's say you, you had a plan that you were going to, you know, bring your lunch to work and you were in a hurry and you ran out the door and you forgot your lunch. Well, to have a, a, your, your game plan in place, and, and I guess I should clarify, I don't mean meal plan, I just mean just whatever your overall game plan is, to have it to where your game plan is set up to where it's like if you forget your lunch, if you have to eat something at the cafeteria, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't throw your whole plan off. It doesn't, it doesn't mess your whole day up. It doesn't spin, send you into a tailspin. It's like you have, you, you have flexibility, you're able to adapt, and you have alternative ways to do stuff. Um, and, and the second thing is, is when it comes to being adaptable is I just think long term. So it's like all of our lives change like as we go through different stages. So something that we can do now, you know, we might not be able to do 10, 10 years from now. And, and, and with that, I mean like you know, maybe, maybe right now you can work out first thing in the morning. But maybe, you know, 10 years from now you, with your schedule, you have a family and you can't do that. So it's like, it has to be set up to where there's some adaptability where it's like, okay, you don't, you still need to work out, uh, but, you know, you can work out at different times or it's not something where, you know, we might be able to work out six days a week right now, but in the future, we might have to drop to three or four or something. And so it's just, it's just making sure that it's adaptable in the short term in the moment and also long term. So it, it allows for us to be flexible and to make adjustments as our life changes. Um, that's a, that's I, a really, really good point, mate. Like, and then you, you see a lot of people in the fitness industry telling people to do fasted cardio when they don't understand that this 40-year-old lady has four kids <laughs> and, and her, her morning routine is absolutely crazy. Uh-huh. It's like, it's okay for you to say you're a 19-year-old personal trainer still living at home. <laughs> <in the month. laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. What I want to finish what I want to finish with Steve is you spoke about like forming your string and I just would like you to go over is it the kite analogy that you use in your videos? It it is. It is. If you could just briefly touch upon that and I think that'll be a really good way to kind of end today's show and it'll really give people something to kind of visualize. Okay. So if um, just to kind of, I guess, paint the picture is, is and you can always go to the course and see it, but if you just imagine there's a kite and so the kite is flying and if the kite represents me or you or whoever, the person who is wanting to make these changes in their life, it's helpful to have that kite anchored to something. So it's, it's helpful to have that kite tied down to whatever your goal is. And so the thing that, that ties that goal down is the, that ties the kite down is the string. And so I'll, I'll dive into kind of just what I consider like the different components of the string. Um, but the purpose of the string is that outside of you, outside of the goal and outside of the string, the, the system that's, that's keeping you anchored to your goal is there's the wind. 
And the win just represents, you know, uh, diet books. It represents documentaries. It represents random facts you hear on the news. It represents random facts you hear from other people. It re represents other people's influences on you who don't think you should be doing something a certain way. It represents all those external influences that if the string's not there, then the kite's just going to blow wherever the environment wants it to go. So it's like if, if, you, if, you, if the, the environment is, is one that, you know, no one eats healthy and no one really cares about, you know, long-term health and, and, and things like that, if the kite is in that environment without a string, you know, it's just going to blow around and, and adapt to that environment. So, and so what I talk about with that string is just a, a few of the components that make that up. Our one is, is it's helpful to have um, a system for evaluating, and this is like just ties back into the beginning of our conversation. It's helpful to have a system to where you can evaluate all of this information that's coming in because we're constantly bombarded by nutritional information, diet strategies, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what's healthy, what's unhealthy. And it's like they're in contrast, like they, they contradict each other. You can read an article that says fat is the way to go. And you can read another article that says, you know, you shouldn't eat any fat. And so it's this stuff that's totally contradictory. And so it's helpful to have some sort of a system to help you filter all that information. And so uh, one, one way to do that is I just say, you know, you know, kind of looking at, okay, what is the source of the information? Where is it coming from? So what I consider to be sources, I would be not that they are wrong or that there's always misinformation, but I just say something just to be skeptical of is, let's say, uh, food documentaries, magazines, the news, uh, random Joe who owns a coffee shop. So, you know, just kind of just random, just, just, there's no, just kind of like those sources are ones that I'm like, it's not, they might be accurate totally. And it does happen. It's just with those ones, not just immediately adopting what they say is truth. Um, and, and the example I use in that course is like, there are some, I mean, I'm only talking about this stuff because this is like the areas that I know, but you take me outside of this stuff. You have me talk about cars. I'm going to know nothing. So it's like, you, you should, no one should ever ask me for car advice or no one should ever ask me for anything. Like, no way. Like, like, so just because I might know something about nutrition or something about exercise doesn't make me qualified to talk about cars. And so the example I use in, in that, in that course is like, let's say you have your, you have a friend and he's an amazing lawyer and he's incredible and he's a very successful lawyer, you know, but he starts to offer advice on food and nutrition and things like that. He might be accurate. But I would just maybe double check and see where he's getting his information from, because just because like, again, like just because I know something about nutrition and something about exercise doesn't mean I know anything about cars. And so that's kind of the first thing is just, you know, where you get your information from. And so just to give some ideas of, of good sources of information, um, I say, you know, registered dietitians, uh, people who, who truly are, I would say, you know, as unbiased as they can be, who are, are well-versed in the literature in terms of uh, keep, keep up to date with the, with the latest evidence. And, and, and even, even in those situations, it's, it's like there are still people in those, in those groups who it's like it's not always the, the best methods. So it's like it's not black or white. Like if somebody is X, then it's credible. And if somebody is Y, then it's not credible. It's like it, that's where it gets a little mucky. But just that general guidance of, okay, those are the sources to be skeptical of. And then sources where, okay, I'll at least like, there's a little more credibility there. It's like, yeah, registered dietitian, somebody who uh, is well-versed and stays up to date with that stuff. People like yourself, who it's like, I know you're a personal trainer and I'm not sure exactly like maybe the formal education, but that, you know, you've done a really good job of, of finding out, you know, good sources of information and staying up to date with stuff. And so like, I would say anyone kind of in those categories is, 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 is at least a place to start from. Um, the second thing, I guess, within, within that kind of the string is, and is, it is helpful to, and this is where it is a little bit of effort, um, but I throw it in there. It, it is helpful to have a baseline understanding of this stuff. So it's just to maybe read like a very basic book on nutrition about, you know, foods and how, how the body metabolizes them and, and how they affect the body. I mean, just like almost like nutrition 101 where it's not complex or it's just, it's just so you have some sort of an understanding of the fundamentals. So that way, whenever you hear something, you'll know right away whether that makes sense 
based on just the basics or whether it's way out in left field and you can immediately disregard it. So I just say like just reading a, a basic nutrition 101 textbook, that's a solid textbook or something, or a basic book on human physiology, just something super sim simple that's written in layman's terms, but just that gives you that foundation. So that way, when you hear something, you have something to some sort of frame of reference, something to, to help you discern whether that information is, 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 is accurate. Um, and then the third thing, and this is kind of the, the last thing I'll touch on in this is, is it's, it is really helpful to have an accountability partner. So that doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be uh, a dietitian. It doesn't have to be a coach. You know, it can be a friend. It can be a family member. It can be a coworker. You know, it can be anyone it's just a few things. It, it's helpful to have someone for one, like even, and this happens with me all the time. I have all this stuff I want to do, but it's like, even when we're super motivated to do this stuff, we already have habits in place. We already have a life that's in place and it's easy to, as much as we want to make these changes, it's easy to fall back into old patterns. It's so easy to do. So it's helpful to have somebody else on your team who can keep you accountable and keep you from, you know, can, can call you out and keep you from, from falling back into old patterns to make sure you, you stay consistent with the stuff long enough to where it becomes the new patterns. So, and, and so the, the things I talk about with an accountability partner is like, yeah, it doesn't have to be a dietitian or coach or trainer or anything like that, but it, it does have to be someone who is going to be honest with you. And who's going to tell you like it is, um, and, you know, if, if you're not executing the way that you, you need to be executing, they're not, they're not going to, you know, you know, always, you know, be that, maybe that, that guy who just, you know, just gives sympathy. It's like, oh, you know, it's okay. You know, you had a hard week and, you know, you did your this and that. I, I, I get it. Like, I would do the same thing. I wouldn't do it. Like, I, that, that, if that happens too much, it's really not serving you or I or anyone long term. Because while the sympathy might feel good in the short term, it's, it's ultimately going to lead us to not making the changes that we want to make. So it needs to be somebody that's going to call us out and be like, Steve, like you said you were going to do this thing. Like, what's going on? Like, what's up? Yeah, exactly. you're, not, you're, not, you're not doing what you said you were going to do. So that, that piece is there. The, the second thing is just it is helpful if they have an understanding of nutrition. They have an understanding of exercise you know maybe they've they've gone through um, and, and lost weight and kept it off uh, successfully and so it, it's helpful if like not only they're, they're willing to like call you out and tell you like it is and, and tell you what you need to hear not necessarily what you want to hear not only do they do that but they'll also they, they've kind of been down the road and so it's like you can then come to them like hey this is kind of what i'm trying what are your thoughts on this or it's like hey this isn't working like what do you think and they can, with, with confidence, based on experience and, and um, understanding, look at what you're saying and, and give you good feedback to either be like, hey, yeah, you know, you could probably do this a little bit differently and you might get better results. Or B, they could say, no, like you're doing everything that you need to do. You're on the right path. You just need a little bit more time. So those are some of the qualities that I say to, to still look for when searching for an accountability partner. Yeah, that's brilliant. And then it all comes to, like you said, forming that string. There is actually nothing worse than somebody giving advice on what we do. I always say to people, you know, I wouldn't give high advice on how to build a house. But you see somebody on Facebook giving advice about nutrition when they have the most <laughs> random job ever. And it frustrates me like hell. And then you get people asking them questions about nutrition on their comments. And I'm just sat there thinking, shall I comment? Shall I comment? And I'm thinking, oh, no, I can't be bothered getting into a massive rant. So my, girl, my girlfriend stops me from jumping in. <laughs> it's just, it's mental, isn't it? Everyone thinks they know what they're doing in what we do, unfortunately. And like you say, it's so important to listen to the right people. And that's why I got you on the show, mate. I've got people who are experienced. I've got people who've got credentials, uh, qualifications to speak about stuff like this and hopefully give people the proper education rather than listening to the friend that they work with. Yeah. Well, and, and just like you said, I mean, it, it's hard though, because it's like when somebody, like you see the, the, the random comments and the random stuff on Facebook, like I get it. Cause it's like this stuff, like if you, if you were feeling a certain way and looking a certain way and then you transform your life and you're feeling better, looking better, it's like 
you just want to share it with the world. You're like, this stuff is amazing. Like, you got to try this stuff. And here's what I did. And so <laughs> I get it because you're just you're just pumped up. And so you're just you're just like, hey, it worked for me. So like, it, it works. And so it's like, I I totally get it. I, you know, I, I would probably be the same way. Like, I would want to share this stuff. Like, look, like this stuff is incredible. My life is different. So it's like, I totally get that. <laughs> the only the, the, the challenge is like, without sometimes like in that situation, it works. But like there the so much stuff works that you know you you don't really know why it worked and so it it doesn't always apply to everyone but i I get it i get it like it's hard like it's stuff it's exciting because it really does change your life and and you just want to share it i i totally get it it's it's confusing A, a lot of people obviously are confused and this is why this topic today is so powerful and meaningful to myself because like you said people go on these fad diets these yo yo diets but you know, they'll lose weight, they'll, they may regain it again, they might not, but, and, you know, fair play to them for losing weight, but these issues are not ever going to be solved unless they hear about stuff like this or work with people like you to really, really delve deep into the health and fitness because, you know, let's face it, people are not going to be doing fad diets all their life, hence why they regain the weight again. So it's important to address these areas that we've covered today to give people that long lasting change, that long lasting sustainable change and, and really kind of discover why people are in the position they're in right now, rather than just what they need to do. The phrase that I use with the introduction of my podcast is delving a little bit deeper into not what they need to do, but why are they in this position in the first place and how we can hopefully change it for the better. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I think, I think that'd be a really good way to, end today's chat steve i really appreciate you coming on there was absolute knowledge bombs and i'm sure a lot of people will get a lot of value just to finish off the show just if you want to let people know where they can find you and and see more of your resources that'll be a that'll be really good absolutely so my branding is consistent so website is just rd.com and instagram youtube facebook all that is just steve taylor rd and maybe we can even link that sustainable fat loss course because obviously there, I, 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 there's, there's a lot in there and, and sometimes it helps to have a visual. So maybe we can even link that course. Uh, 100%. I will, um, I will do that. I will link it into the show notes so people can see that because, like I said, I got a lot of value from it. So I'm sure a lot of people can also. Yeah. Steve, thank you so much for your time, mate. Enjoy being in LA. I'm sure it's sunnier than it is here in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll catch up very soon hopefully mate and maybe get you on the show again to talk about something else absolutely I had a great time thank you again for Th- having me on thank you steve take care mate take care